think of his grace and his mercy And oh yeah, how he loves me All I can do is thank him for blessing me He shows me from the hurt and the pain A touch from him and you will never be the same Yes, I gotta thank him for saving me I thank him for my blessings every day that I wake up. We were born into this sin, but he decided to save us. Wasn't grateful for my life, but now I thank him every night. Because without him, I'd be lost. Now the problem has been solved. I remember all the lies and all the times that I disguised. But now his greatness and his mercy was revealed until my eyes. I'm so alive, I rose up from the dead survive. I cannot help but give him praise. You should come along for the ride. All right, everybody. I want to thank you guys for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited for the Servant Leader we have on board today for this hour. He is amazing. He's, I told him before we got on today that I've been actually following for a while, but timing is made perfect when we follow God's time. Today, we have Servant Leader Beckler with us. He's a leadership consultant. He's an author. He's his own podcast host. And I laugh because we got on here acting like neither one of us hosted the podcast. So I already know that this is going to be an amazing conversation. But Jamie, I tell anyone, time is the most important thing in life because once it's given, it can't be given back. And I know it runs short in our lives. So thank you for being here. I'm excited about this conversation and this leadership talk today. So I'm going to pass the torch to you really quick to say hello to our listeners. We're going to get this conversation started. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, big fan of your show. Uh, you're doing great stuff, and I love the name of it. So uh, uh, thank that, you, man. That, that is awesome. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate you following me. I've been following you as well. So I, I love your work. So yeah, great. So we can we can quit with this love fest and uh, go ahead and, and get into the questions. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's how I do already that this is about to be a good time. You know, we're looking right here at, of course, your backdrop, the leadership playbook, right? And one of the things that I love, and of course, this is a leadership po- podcast as well. Tell us a little bit about that, Jamie. Like, what made you construct this amazing platform for leaders to follow? Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's uh, I was a coach, college basketball coach for about 20 years. Then I was a high school athletic director for a couple of years. And now for the last five years, I've, I've been my own boss and I've been writing, podcasting, speaking across the country and stuff. And I wanted to put together something that uh, it could go beyond me. So, so like, I can't be everywhere, obviously. And uh, something that I got into the leadership space because I truly want athletes to be better. I want coaches to be better. I want ADs to be better. And I, I like, this will sound so kumbaya-ish, but I literally feel like our world can be better if our athletes stand up and are better leaders themselves, because, yes. because coach, the, the kids that you're coaching right now, they're going to be the future business people, educators, leaders, uh, wives, mothers in your community. Like your community 10 to 15 years from now is a direct result of what you guys are doing in the schools right now and what you're doing with young people right now. And so if I can have just a small part in that, and so I can only be one place at one time. And so we wanted to develop this program that kind of helped kids understand what it was like to be a better leader, a better teammate for coaches to have better cultures when I'm not around. Um, 
you know, like I can't be in Florida in Tallahassee every day, though I would like to be. I'm in <laughs> Akron, Ohio. Yeah, for those people that don't know, Let I'm in Akron, you, Ohio. I have family in Akron. Nice. Cleveland, nice. Akron area. Yeah, so you're good people. Good, good people. I, now, I would rather be living in Florida, though. Um, I hate <laughs> I hate cold weather. Now, the summer's not bad. But anyways, I can't be in Tallahassee. I can't be in Florida all the time. But if but if a, a, if a school has our program, then I don't need to be there all the time. They can they can have all these, you know, there are hundreds of two minute videos, uh, you know, that kids can watch in their phones and tablets to learn more about how to be a better teammate and a more positive leader. And so we developed this program to try to reach more kids, to reach as many kids as possible, to, to try to do our small part in helping our future be a little bit better. I think that's awesome. And I think that you put it correctly. I don't think I know you did because being in the trenches with young people every day, I tell people that all the time, not just my players and my students, but their parents and those surrounding them, you know, we can always talk about the youth not being prepared, not being ready. But what I need you all to understand is that time is still going to lapse and move forward. And regardless of if they're ready or not, they're going to assume the positions. And so our job, much like you said, to make sure they're ready when they step up to the plate. And so I think that is perfect. I think it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I was talking with, uh, I, I was interviewing the other day, the, the gentleman who founded Priceline.com. Nice. Uh, he, he's a billionaire, but he does all this philanthropy and stuff. But one of his main mottos, and he's got it behind him. Uh, every, every time you, you see an interview with him on YouTube or something, he's got this behind him. But it's, there is no they. There is no they. And, and the point of that, what he says is that it's never about they will do it. Like, don't wait for they to do it. You do it. You get, if you see a need, don't wait for they, because there's not a they. It's you. You get it done. Don't wait for the parents to, to be the only people that speak into these kids. You do it. Don't wait for their you know, you're a high school coach. Don't wait for the middle school coaches to teach kids the fundamentals. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but you need to do it as well. Uh, you know, just in general, there is no they, it's you. You make the change. You be the change. You make the difference that you want to see in this world. That is so good. Like, that is so good. I was sitting here trying to take it down because I, I need that, those quotes, but I think it's important. And I think that that is a part of leadership and servant leadership that a lot of people miss, right? And that's what makes us who we are, that we're not sitting idly by. We don't wait, as you said, on they. We know that there's a call. We know that there's a mission. And why not me, right? Why not you? Why not I move forward? And I think that's amazing. No, you also have a lot under your belt and in your arsenal, as I like to say. You're an author, right? And you have constructed multiple books, eBooks, downloads to kind of help build out this roadmap. Can you talk to our listeners about these projects that you have created for leadership to make us better and just kind of give them a peek because I'm, I'm adding to my library. So please know that I'm going to be putting yours on my shelf soon. So talk to us about those, those titles and then what each one of them can give to us. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We have six eBooks and essentially it's just those eBooks are, are white papers or they're just extended, um, thoughts on a topic. So I have one for basketball, how to be more co competitive practice. 
Um, you know, we have one for how to reach millennials, how to work with millennials or communicate with millennials. We have one with how to motivate employees. We have one with how to motivate and inspire students. That's one of my favorites. Um, that's near and dear to my heart, obviously. But then, but then we've gone further. We've published three books. And, uh, you know, if you read any of my books, you're, you know, if you read Simon Sinek books, let's say, if you're familiar with Simon Sinek, I'm not Simon Sinek. Like when I read a Simon Sinek book, and I really should preface it by saying I don't read Simon Sinek books. I read the back cover and then I read like the introductory. And then maybe I'll read the first page of each chapter because he's way too smart for me. My books aren't like that. Uh, I, I'm not too, you'll read the, my books and you'll be like, oh, this guy, he's not very smart. That's true. I, I might not be learned. Uh, I might not be book smart, but we try to keep it pretty simple. And so we've, we've got two nonfiction books. And then our third one was the bus trip, which is a fictional story about a basketball team that's having a challenge. Uh, you can read it in just over two hours, but by the end of that day, by the end of that road trip, this basketball team has figured out that they, I shouldn't say they, but they, each one of those people have decided I can be a better teammate. I can be a more positive leader. I don't have to wait for my coach to do it. And I don't have to wait for my other teammates to do it. I can do what I can do. And low and, you know, unknown to each of them uh, through the situations and conversations that they're having, other players on the team are also having situation conversations and kind of this epiphany and they all come together and, you know, it's a Hollywood ending. Disney needs to pick this up. It's just beautiful, but it's a, it's a quick read. It's an easy read. It's kind of uh, a poor man's John Gordon book, but uh, yeah, we've, we've tried to put these things together as tools to help people just be better in life. I think that's awesome. Disney, if you're listening, go ahead and pick him, you know, his book up and when it blows up, just know you heard it here first that it needs to be there. So I'm listening. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how we can take I tell people servant leaders have the similar personalities, right? Where they do these amazing works, right? But they make it sound so seemingly nothing, if that makes sense. Oh, it's nothing, it's just. But what I do know is that of the research that I've done on you, when we connected, um, you are truly making your mark. And that's why I know that, like I told you, it's gonna be added to my shelf of things to be able to learn and grow. And I think that's amazing. And then speaking of those shelves, right? I'm talking about my bookshelf to my right, but I always talk about my bookshelf, my arsenal, those toolbox, right? I tell people all the time, you know, you just got finished working out. I had workouts earlier. And of course, if you're any form of some type of athlete, you're going to always have a bag, right? I don't care how many years you have removed yourself from that particular sport, it's still in you. And so in my bag, it's going to be a ball, a knee brace now, okay? Some ankle braces and some kicks. And so people would know I play basketball and you can insert whatever your tools are for your sport. And what I'm trying to do is create a space that when people see servant leaders, right? If there were a servant leader bag that existed, they can immediately say, that's a servant leader right there, man. That's a servant's heart right there, you know? So if we talked about the servant arsenal or toolbox, what are some of those attributes that you feel a servant leader should have as they're making their mark in the world to make this world better? All of them. <laughs> just just be really good at all those things that we would think about as a leader. But the number one thing that separates kind of the servant leadership part, and, and this is once again, I'm not, you know, a PhD. I'm not a real learned guy. You know, I've got my master's degree, but that was a long time ago. 
humility, thinking of others before yourself, putting your agenda on the side. Like that's not a real difficult concept to grasp with servant leadership, but it's really difficult to do. Um, I think even, I think back to even when I was a coach, even when I was an athletic director, I struggled sometimes because I want what I want, or I want to get, like, I don't need to be like, get all the attention or all the praise, but I mean, toss me a bone. Come on now. I mean, <laughs> like, at least, <laughs> yeah, at least recognize that I had a, you know, even though it was me that did all that, you don't have to toss me the whole bone, but at least give me a little bit. But the true servant leader is like, hey, it, that agenda doesn't matter. Me getting praise doesn't matter as long as we're moving forward and people are being better, the situation's being better. And so a true servant leader is trying to make the situation and make others better, not make myself better. That's secondary. Like if I'm going to get better is so that I can then be able to pour out or make someone else better. You know, John Wooden used to say, the great basketball coach, uh, the greatest way to improve the team is to improve yourself. And he didn't talk about that just because like, well, if you improve yourself, yeah, that'll improve your team. If you're all conference, it was like improve yourself to improve the team. Don't improve yourself just to be all conference or just to be a draft pick, but do it for the greater good. And so we all should be striving to put our agenda on the back burner and say, what can I do? What can I add to this, this culture, this society, our town, our team, our family to make it the best that it can be. Not so that I get the glory and I get the attention, but how can we together be the best that we can be? Pure, amazing, drop mic worthy conversation here. And I'm telling you, you know, I, I laugh and I joke and you're tickling me, but on, in all seriousness, it's the truth. I think that is so easy, not just in sports, but in life to be able to point the finger at someone else and critique them and tell them what they should do to make anybody better but it's like could you imagine just how much better this world could be our team could be right whatever facet of you know that we find ourselves in could be if we change us first right but one of the things that you said best as well as you talked about how you know granted yes yeah, sometimes we do have our own agendas but we place our agenda to the side for the bigger picture right you know and the other portion that you said that i'm going to throw a question at you and remember I'm going to put this here, guys, because y'all didn't hear him, but he told me it's okay to swing him some of those hard questions. But no, honestly, you mentioned about being able to serve, being able to work on ourselves without worrying about getting the glory right. And I'm going to shift that to a faith-based piece in that. You know, there's a song I love. It's called For Your Glory. And literally, as I move as a leader, right, we're in sports, right, we're in so many facets. You help leadership in all levels, but talk a little bit and we shift gears about how your work and every facet that you, you know, ascertain in life, how that motivates you because you're trying to work for the true glory of God. Yeah, well, that that is kind of like I'm not a Christian leader. I'm not a Christian like I don't, I don't only work with Christian teams or Christian right. athletes. I'm not with the athletes in action. I'm not with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But everything I do has breadcrumbs. It, it, it has footprints Come back on. to Come on. in my faith. And, and from on. an early age, yeah, uh, from an early age, accepting Christ as my savior when I was six years old, all the way up, just growing in my faith. Unfortunately, I haven't always been 
the best Christian I should be or the best Christian leader or the best servant leader. But all of our leadership, if you were to say, well, that's comes from the Bible. Yeah, you're probably right because Jesus was the ultimate servant leader. Now it's yeah. a, it's really a paradox though. Whenever you talk about servant leadership, it's really a, a paradox because we think of leaders as strong, as powerful as they're up on this pedestal. And some of the best leaders that we will ever see are people that aren't necessarily doing it for the spotlight. They're not necessarily in the spotlight. Now, certainly there are people like that, but a lot of times, I mean, a, a Harriet Tubman, you know, a Harry, obviously Harriet Tubman is known. She's in our history books now, but at the time, I mean, back in the 1800s, you know, here's a short black woman who's uneducated. I mean, you're not going to get much lower on a social or a demographic scale from a, from a position or a status standpoint than that. I mean, she had no status in the 1800s, yet here she is leading people, literally leading people from where they are to where they need to be. You know, we talk about coaches are people that take people from where they are to where they need to be. Well, she literally right. took, did that. And she saved and, and, and impacted so many people's lives. And it wasn't because she had this huge business card or because she had published all these books. She just had something about her that was, I'm going to do what I can to help others. And she had that respect. But there's people throughout history that are like that. Well, Jesus was the ultimate one like that, even though he's the son of God, all of a sudden, you know, he's coming to earth and he's kind of taking a back seat. He's all right. I'm going to chill with, with people that aren't exactly like me. And I, I used to have this Bible. We used to call it the scum Bible when I was in college, because it was, it was the living Bible. It was called the living Bible. And there was a verse in there, maybe in Matthew, it, it talked about how Jesus hang, hung out with tax collectors and other that's scum right. <laughs> and other scum. And so he called it the scum Bible. But I mean, that's such a paradox. We don't think that a leader is going to hang out with scum or, you know, the, the dregs of society, but that's what a leader does. A leader goes in and not worried about how they look, not worried about their status. It's how can I make things better? You said a whole mouthful, and I think it's amazing. I love how you place it in there. And you said it the best because so much of what I've been listening to reading the past couple of weeks, they've shared the same common theme. And it's amazing because in leadership, you pinpoint it. What good does it do me to isolate myself to one corner or facet of people, right? Just today, I was actually um, at the chiropractor. And I'm a huge vibe, discernment, spirit person, right? And this family came in and they were so amazing. I mean, they just, I was just watching them. They had, it was a husband, wife, they had their kids. The kids were just so mannerable, just smiling, just interacting with one another. They were all, their whole family was on the table beside me as I waited. And I'm watching them just, you know, talk to their brothers, talk to their father, talk to their mom. And it was just something different about the dad. Like he just was there. Well, while I'm saying this about him, he's thinking that and saying that about me. Um, and my, well, our shared chiropractor introduced us. And he said, it's just something, it's something about you. And I said, I was just thinking the same about you. And so amazingly enough, he said, do you mind if I pray for you? Now, here's the thing. It's so amazing because I didn't mind, right? But he didn't know my walk. He didn't know my belief. He asked. I could have said no. But in that moment, what was so awesome is be before he asked to pray for me, he literally just talked to me about, 
He's a, a, a 30 year police officer, just his life. And basically he just asked me, do you know the love of Christ? That was it. And he said, it's an amazing, people talk about highs in life. That is the most amazing high you'll have. And he said, I'll leave you alone so you get adjusted. And that was it. Imagine if that conversation stopped right there though. You don't know me. You don't know my belief system. But even if I rejected you, what I do know is regardless of your belief, I'm left with how nice you were. I'm left with the family man you were. I'm left with the kindness of you to even speak to this stranger you have no idea knowing. And you said it best that in leadership, just as Christ has done, just like you, you don't just stop at sports. You were talking to, I mean, hello, the founder of Priceline the other day. If we can remember just like serving like Christ, not to cut ourselves off to one facet and not to try to, what good does it do me to hang with just believers? Uh, you're you're 100% right. And, and it, it goes into politics it goes into what sports team we root for it goes to our family our friends it it goes to all that kind of stuff or even as a coach you know we struggle taking it down to a trivial matter to a degree a trivial matter in quotation marks but you know we want to hang out with or we want to work with our top seven players or those players that are going to work that that play the most for us those are the people we want to invest our energy in not the not the kid that's at the end of the bench whose best friend is the water cooler and athletic trainer. That's not, that's not who we want to work with because they don't help us win. And in theory, they don't help us win. Correct. But they actually, number one, two things about that. Number one, that's just the wrong way to approach it. If you're a servant leader, just in general, number two, if you're not a servant leader, and you don't even care about being a servant leader, you should care about those people just from a Machiavellian standpoint, because they might be best friends with your starters. And if they're mm-hmm. unhappy, your starter's going to be unhappy, or you might have to play them one day when you get two injuries or <laughs> right. foul trouble. So, so even from a pure X's and O's standpoint or a win at all costs, you should care about everybody on your team, but that's not what I'm about. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory. I think they're all people. I think and and almost every coach, certainly every coach you've had on this show, but almost every coach I will listen to from dudes making 6 million a year to people making, you know, 16 or 6,000 in a stipend. They will all talk about, it's about the kids. It's about the kids. It's about the kids, but then their actions betray their words sometimes because, Oh, it's only about the kids that, you know, is making buckets for us, or it's only about the kids that do what I tell them to do, man, Chelsea, just do what just do what I tell you to do. Well, yeah, we all want that, but the best leaders aren't just getting Chelsea to be a compliant follower. The best leaders are developing Chelsea, developing Chelsea to be a better leader. And that goes for everybody in your program. And so it can't be just, well, if you do what I tell you to do, you know, if you're the coachable kid, then I like you. And, and I know I've said this, I've even tweeted this out, you know, uh, 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 coaches play favorites. I do believe coaches play favorites. I played favorites. The kid that does what I asked them to do. Exactly. That doesn't mean that you don't try to get the other ones to join your family or to join that list of favorites or whatever. (laughs) I mean, you got to keep working on these kids and keep inspiring and engaging them. And we tend to not do that as leaders sometimes and coaches because we need to make sure we put in this extra play or we need to work on these X's and O's. Well, the, the, 
it's about the kids. We've said that. So let's make it about the kids. Let's plan our practices better. Let's plan our days better. Let's get our attitude a little bit better. Let's quit just yapping and yapping about it and actually act like it's about the kids. That's golden. I love that. I think it's amazing. And, you know, more than anything, you know, I'm looking at your backdrop, but also, I mean, I've done my homework. And one of the things that I also wanted to kind of bring to the table today is we hear in sports, we hear in companies, we hear in so many different facets, the word culture, right? (laughs) And it's amazing. We throw that word around so often, not recognizing that culture truly is an action word, right? Much like everything in leadership. I'm always reminded of servant leader, Willie Spears. I love him. Um, And when he was on, he talked about, he said, if I walk into your gym and I see rat droppings, I don't have to know that rats were there, right? The residual of that is there. So that being said, you can tell me you have a strong culture, right? But one, nine times out of 10, you can't tell me what your culture even entails. But two, if they don't understand your culture, how are they going to live up to what actions you're asking them to subscribe to? Can you talk to us a little bit about culture setting, right? How do you even implement that? Not just within sports, but anything you're leading. So often we move without a mission. Can you talk to us a little bit about building yeah, that stronger culture? It's a great, it's a great question. Uh, in, and, you know, everybody talks about culture, especially when you take over a new program. Well, we're going to change the culture. Right. Well, <laughs> You know, most of the time we don't necessarily know what that is because we don't think about the end game. We don't think about what we want our program to be about or what we want to look like and then reverse engineer it. We've got to figure out what we want to look like, what we want people to talk about us, talk, say about us. And then we've got to work backwards. What does that look like? But then here's, here's just as the crucial part. We've got to commit to that. And that's where most of us as coaches fall a little short. We don't commit to that. We want our kids, let's say we want our kids to, uh, you know, bust their tail in practice. You know, we're going to be the hardest working team. But yet we're starting a kid who never gets on the floor for a loose ball, has never met a block out they couldn't miss. You know, they, they all, but they're in the starting lineup because they can make buckets, they can shoot. Okay, well then we're, we're not reinforcing what we've talked about. We are going to get as coaches in our program, we're going to get what we allow. We're going to get what we emphasize. We're going to get what's most important to us. So whatever we allow or accept, that's what's going to end up happening. And then our players, our athletes are going to be the biggest proponents or the biggest opponents of our culture. So you're going to, just like you talked about the rat droppings, you, you know, you know that there was rats there if there's rat droppings. Well, if you look at the players in the locker room, that's your culture. If there's someone in a business that works in a business, uh, in an office setting, your culture is how your secretary answers the phone or greets someone that comes to her desk. Your culture is uh, two employees, Chelsea and Jamie talking at the water cooler, or these four people in the break room, what they're talking about. Are they talking negative about the company? All that kind of stuff. That's your true culture, not the, the cute signs that you put up or the posters you put up or the emails or the slogans you have. Same way with coaches. We put stuff up in the locker room. That's not our culture. Our sayings are not our culture. Our t-shirts are not our culture. It's what our kids are actually doing when we're not around. That's our culture. And so that's going to be reinforced daily if we want it to be, 
or we're going to allow something else. And so I always talk about culture is intentional. And sometimes people are like, what, you know, what, what do you mean it's intentional? I didn't mean for my team to be like this. Well, but you intentionally chose something else each day that was more important. Now it's little micro choices sometimes, but it's okay. I'm going to spend more time on this, on this drill instead of addressing an issue that we need to address or no, we can't take 15 minutes to do some leadership training. We've got to spend time on our zone offense. Okay. But your zone offense isn't winning and losing you games right now. It's because your kids aren't doing what they need to do. They're not being the leaders that they need to be, but you make these little micro choices every day that you intentionally chose. This is more important because we all have limited amount of time and energy. And so we make choices all the time. And so before you know it, three years have gone by, four years have gone by. And you're like, my kids are idiots. My kids are soft. My kids are fill in the blank. Well, it's like, you're the common denominator. You've allowed this to happen through these years. And it's gotten to this point. Well, I didn't mean to it. No, you didn't want it to be that way. But every day you were making choices, just like you talked about with your players, your players are making choices. You'll talk to your players all day long about choices. Well, you need to do that too. And every choice you make needs to reaffirm and reinforce your culture and what's most important. And then that way, eventually your kids are going to be people that are like, Hey, this isn't how we do things here, or this is how we do things here. They're going to be your, your culture police, so to speak. They're going to be, and I even hate using that phrase, but they're going to be the ones that are reminding each other of what the culture is. Um, you know, and, and so that goes back to something we, I mentioned just briefly, our goals as coaches, as leaders shouldn't be to get our players to be compliant followers. It should be to develop other leaders because, because there's going to be how many times at your school coach, are there kids hanging out, but there's not a coach present and there's not a captain present. Okay. Traditional status leaders but there's going to be kids on your team that are hanging out without a traditional leader. So if you're not developing them to be leaders, only developing them to be good followers, then what happens when the freshman, sophomore, and junior, you know, who don't play a lot are hanging out in the cafeteria or they're hanging out at that baseball game or whatever. And there's no captain or coach around. You haven't developed them to lead each other and to influence each other and to make each other better. All you've done is try to get them to be compliant followers, which seems like it's a good thing. And that's, it's better than being a non-compliant follower. But if all you're trying to do is get them to just do what they're told, well, what if they're not told anything right now? What if they aren't inspired? What if they don't feel empowered? You know, well, you haven't, you haven't given me value. I don't feel valued in this program. Um, I'm just a sophomore or I'm just a backup. No, man, you, you're a captain. No, I'm not a captain. Well, you're a captain of yourself and you're a captain of your two best friends and you can lead them. You're a huge deal on this team. You're vastly important on this team. That's golden. And I think it's more than not exactly what you said. So often it's done. We place our focus. And like you said, it's not all, often intentional, right? We place our focus on things that if these young minds are following us. That is what they draw their attention to. So I tell people all the time, like, you know, I'm a holistic coach and people say that all the time. Um, but truly there's things that are intangibles to me that I truly do believe are more important, right? There's times I've shut down practice because there's something I recognize that is 
taking more precedent. Like I need to show you that outside of the court, the court doesn't happen. They know no class, no court. The court doesn't happen, right? Because here's the thing. We know that ball stops drought, uh, bouncing, that bat stops swinging, insert whatever. Have you given them, and you said it best, have we given them what they needed in order to become better leaders, not compliant followers? And when you place it that way, I never really placed words to it. We see those compliant followers often on our jobs, often in life, right? That when you remove the quote unquote said leader who is giving you step-by-step things to do, how do you maneuver? And if we're spending that much time with these individuals, with our employees, with our students, with our athletes, as much time, especially when the youth is concerned, we spend so much more time with them, even as much, if not more than their parents. We have a stake in that claim to make sure that they're, they're, they're beholden to that. I think that's awesome, Jamie. That's yeah. If, if you want, you know, you, you, the question was predicated around culture. The better cultures are going to have more people bought in and that take ownership and that are invested in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, almost every good culture, if you looked at this program and said they, they have a good culture or this uh, business, they have a great culture. Almost always it's because they have more people, a higher percentage of their people have taken ownership in what's going on. It's not just coach Chelsea's team. It's not just coach Chelsea's play. It's not just so-and-so's business. You know, well, we're just working for the man. You know, we're just working, you know, they get paid, they get make all the money and I just get my nine to five, my salary or my (laughs) hourly wage, you know, the more places that they feel like they have a part in what's going on, then you're going to have a better culture. And so from a coaching standpoint, I don't care if you're coaching sixth graders, it doesn't matter. Do they feel like they have a part? Do they feel like they're valued, that they're a valuable member? Um, and, and certainly, you know, as you get lower, you know, on the age le- range, you know, a coach is going to have to take more control, certainly. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's just, I mean, that's just logic. But there's still things you can do to make that sixth grader feel like, oh, well, it's not just coach bossing me around. You know, this is our win. This is our loss. You know, oh, man, that shot. It wasn't just Chelsea's shot. It was our shot. And I'm going to go bail her out on, on that rebound. I'm going to go get that rebound for her. Even if she misses, I'm not going to complain that I didn't get the shot. I'm going to go get that rebound and, and I'm going to put it back in and I'm going to, I'm going to get two points in the box score, you know, or whatever, but it's our shot. It's our rebound. It's our team. And the more you can do that, then the more you're going to get kids buying in, you're going to have a better culture, but the, the more inspired your kids are, or inspired your, your employees are, the better off your culture is going to be and the easier job you're going to have as a leader because now it's not just you. It's not just Coach Chelsea out there on an island. Now it's 15 young ladies or it's all these other people, these other leaders or these other developing leaders that are multiplying the successes and, 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 and helping ease the burdens. It's not all on one person's shoulders anymore. I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that, that's it. There's no commentary that needs to be added to that. I mean, that is perfectly said. And as I would always say, goal, I always tell people, if you're new to listen, you're going to hear me say that all the time. You know, there's a scripture that I really do try to model my life after um, in Proverbs, where it says that anyone can find the dirt, 
right? Be the one that finds the gold. And we can kind of highlight that gold and highlight those things that are helping us move the agenda forward. I'm going to find that. And that, my friend, that was golden. <laughs> but, but it's hard to do. And that's why we don't do it. Because it requires two major main things that I know I struggle with. One is my ego or okay. our ego. Yeah. Yep. I, I am in charge. I'm the head coach. I, I earned my, I paid my dues. I've got the business card. You know, I, I know the plays. I know what we should be doing. So the ego, but secondly, it takes a lot of energy to do that kind of stuff. For sure. Honestly, it's the same like in marriage. I got to make sure my wife's not listening. <laughs> but it's the same in marriage. It's a whole lot easier to bring home, you know, cards or chocolates or one of those overpriced roses from a shell mm -hmm. station on the corner than it is to actually listen, than it is to actually have a conversation, than it is to actually put my agenda and ego to the side and say, maybe I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot harder. And as a coach, that's hard. We don't have sure. that kind of energy sometimes, especially if we're in a losing streak or especially <laughs> oh, if yeah. our kids are irritating, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the ego and then the energy, we always don't, we just don't always have that energy. Um, but if we really, truly want our culture to look a certain way, if we really want our kids to buy into what we're saying and to run through the wall for us, they'll do that. Kids now, coaches talk all the time and I hear it kids these days, kids these days. It's like, seriously, I mean, yeah, there's differences in kids nowadays and there were back in the 60s or the 70s or 80s in a way, but kids are still kids. They don't want to do what you tell them to do. I mean, in the 60s, when John Wooden was coaching, they literally were protesting war. They literally had shootings on college campuses, you know, so he was dealing with stuff that's not easy to deal with. So kids these days, maybe, but Kids are still going to buy there's if they, if they feel like they can trust you, if they feel like they can respect you, if they feel like you can help them achieve their goals, if you care about them, then they're going to run through the wall for you. Then they're going to do things for the team. They're going to sacrifice their agenda. Um, now they're not going to sacrifice their scoring or their agenda. If you're never going to catch them being good. If you're never going to point that out, if you're never going to make them feel like, Oh, that's a good thing to do. And we do that as coaches. We do that as coaches. We're in a team sport. We try to get them to give up their self for the team. But then, man, Steph hits that shot at the end of the game. And the first high five we have is to Steph. It's not to Draymond for setting <laughs> that screen. This. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dude runs for three touchdowns in a football game. No. Who are we talking about after the game? That running back. We're not talking about the big nasties up front that created mm -hmm. those holes for them. Kids sure. see that. And so if we're talking team, 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 but then we're celebrating the individual that everyone can see, the dumbest person in the stands can see Steph Curry just, just made 30 points. Mm -hmm. What they can't see, and this, this just happened this past year, uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga mm -hmm. basketball. If you think about Gonzaga basketball and what they did, most people will remember Jalen Suggs hitting that half-court shot or – inside half court, but amazing shot to win the game. All right. Woo. Yay. It should never have gotten to overtime, but most people forget that UCLA drove a dude stepped in, took a charge with less than one second on the clock. If that's a block now, all of a sudden UCLA wins the game. 
sure. You know, people don't remember those kind of plays. And as coaches, man, if you can point those out all the time, now all of a sudden you have gone a long way to winning over your kids. And now they're going to do what you asked them to do a little bit uh, more quickly because they know they're going to get rewarded or recognized or praised. Uh, catch them being good as much as possible. I like that. I love that actually, you know, and you reminded me of, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to say the servant leader's name because simply I don't want to be wrong and discredit. So I'd rather just say one of our previous servant leaders, when you mentioned ego, he actually, that was one of the, the titles for his conversation. And he talked about when we all have our egos, right? But what ego does is it, it, it edges God out. And that thing stuck with me because it's exactly what we do, right? When we, it becomes so hard because we lose the vision and why we're doing it. It becomes so hard because my own selfish nature, my own pride. And as you said before, I have to learn to put my agenda to the side, but my own agenda has now taken precedent over what God has called me to do. So when we put our ego ahead of the game, ahead of the mission, ahead of the team, I'm edging God out. And when I do that, that's when you're going to uplift one person over the team. That's when you're going to forget, you know, one of the things I do all the time is what you just said. If hit the shot or hit the points, I'll ask who passed it to him. No one ever remembers, right? No one ever remembers the assist on the game winning shots. Can't tell you that, right? But it's just as important, if not more, more important. And so I think that's amazing that you've been laid out there for sure. Or, or I, I, I mean, you say the assist. I had uh, a situation years ago, and I wish I, I wish I was a more veteran coach and more experienced, and I handled it better. But I had a point guard who really struggled with making any passes that didn't lead to an assist. Like point guards will make passes as long as it leads to an assist, but you don't want to be the person who passes to the person who passes because then you don't get anything, and so. I was early in my career and I wasn't praising that person for, all right, I'm going to pass it to, let's say pass it to the wing. And then someone's coming off of a, a screen that that person's then going to pass to, but my point guard would pass and then cut down the lane and the defense would suck in mm -hmm. on that cutter. And that would then allow this play to be more open. Well, I right. should have been praising how, how hard she cut down the lane and that created a wide opening, even though she didn't get the assist you know, but I have to toss her a bone. I've, I've got to make, I've got to take every player and how can I make them feel valuable? And I wasn't making her feel valuable enough. And as a point guard, she was feeling like, well, I, I'm not getting anything here. I'm not getting the assists. You know, I'm nothing. So okay. I think as coaches, we've got to figure out how can I make every player on my team feel like they're valuable? All right. No, I think it's golden. And I think even down to, like you said, that <laughs> the player that's closest with that took me out the player that's closest with the water uh cooler trainer <laughs> even that person i mean it, it's just golden and we have to continue to put that out there because everyone has a role right and i think even as servant leaders and as faith you know leaders of faith too if we don't feel that our task and our job is something of significance right that, that's a lot of the times that we find too. I listened to Christine Kane in the morning, Joyce Myers, uh, you know, Tony Evans, many of those. And that's one of the things they talk about. But at the end of the day, could you imagine, right? If you felt the task that Christ gave you was small and you didn't do it. 
not recognizing, you know, how the tricking and ripple effect that would miss if you just didn't do your part. And I think as, as leaders, we just have to understand that and that it's not about, you know, how big we think it seems to those on the outward if we do our assignment. Could you imagine if everybody just did their assignment? I mean, I know it sounds easier said than done, right? <laughs> but we have a choice in doing our assignment, right? We have a choice in doing our assignment and then there's something big that you say there's also another endeavor that you have. The Success is a Choice podcast. Talk to me about that title, man. I'm telling you, like I've listened, I'm a fan, I've subscribed, right? Talk to us about that title one, but talk about what listeners, some of my listeners you need to hop on this are gonna find on that podcast. Yeah, I appreciate the shout out. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the title's not necessarily original in my brain. I don't think anything's original in my brain. If I say something that's not very good, it probably was my original thought. If it's good, I probably borrowed it from someone else. But Success is a Choice, that was an old basketball book by Rick Pitino. Great title. Uh, obviously, some people would say he didn't live up to that necessarily off the court. But Success is a Choice, Rick Pitino, it was a book that he had. And I don't remember the exact year it came out. But the year it came out, I started using that phrase on every team with every team I ever coached or was on. That was that to me resonated. That spoke to me right away. I was like, we do get to choose in our life whether or not we're going to be successful. Now, that doesn't mean winning a national title. It doesn't mean being a billionaire, but it means success to me is being the best that you're capable of becoming. And that's kind of a simple and it can, and it can change at different times. The definition doesn't change, but maybe the, how it ends up looking because you, you, you mature, you grow, you develop, you're in different stages of your life, but becoming the best that you're capable of becoming is to me success. And we can always choose that. Uh, and so when I was looking to start a podcast a few years ago, there was, there was no question whatsoever in my mind, what the name of it was going to be as long as it was available and nobody else that I could find was doing success as a choice podcast. And so I was like, man, let's do this. Cause th this is every team we've been on. I've coached has had this as a slogan. It's been in the, the locker room for every team we've had. It's been important to me. And so I want to have a podcast like this. And so we're going to interview people from different industries because success leaves clues. Uh, it's probably not a great business model, because it's not just basketball or it's not just sports or it's not just business. It's people from all walks of life. I mean, we've had, you know, I think in a matter of a few weeks, we had a world champion poker player. We had someone from the pussycat dolls and we had a pastor. So we're, we're all across I the board, love it. <laughs> but we can learn. I mean, even as a basketball coach, we can learn from some of these choices that people have made in their life and, and screw ups they've had or challenges that they've overcome, or just in general, just some of these things are entertaining. It's just entertaining and fun to listen to some of these people. Uh, but, you know, I've enjoyed it a great deal. And we've had uh, a number of different, you know, like I say, all across the board. We've just recently started expanding the podcast to different types of shows. So uh, uh, at least once a week, we're doing what I call the two minute drill, where it's just my thoughts, a two minute drill of my thoughts. Um, we're doing different stuff. Uh, leadership. We had a, uh, we have another segment called leadership now. And last week, uh, we addressed, or I addressed in five minutes, the, uh, the sprinter, the American sprinter, 
that was disqualified, Shakara um, uh, Richardson, that was disqualified for marijuana. So we talked about that from a leadership and a character standpoint. And then we're also having uh, a couple new interview series where we're interviewing coaches. Um, we call it the coachable coach and it goes beyond the X's and O's. So I want to interview coaches that are doing things that are not just, you know, all right, they have great plays or they're great at rebounding. And then we're also interviewing athletic directors and that's called uh, leaders growing leaders. So we're expanding the podcast to more than just one interview a week with, with somebody from different industries. So we're, we're, we're trying to give the audience a little bit more variety even. It's awesome. I'm a fan. And I'm telling you all that are listening, those that are listening right now, those who listen on the podcast, make it a part of your day to day. I'm telling you right now, like, I don't care if it's in transition to work. I don't care if it's, you know, you're sitting at home and need something else to listen to, whatever the case may be, subscribe, listen to it. I'm telling you, you're going to be made better for it. Truly. You heard it here first. I appreciate that. No, honestly, I, you know, it's not even a, a tough of all the time. Like you're never going to hear me truly subscribe manually with my finger and my <laughs> word of mouth if I truly don't believe that. Like there's a perfect aspects to some people, but if I don't feel that it is something that is genuinely helping someone else, you know, I'm not going to, as the people would say, second that emotion. So <laughs> thank you for what you do. You know, and speaking of subscribing, um, I laugh and I talk about it all the time about how um, I was listening to, this was Joyce Meyer actually. Um, and what I took from it was so often how much we miss blessing other people, as you said, putting those breadcrumbs out, right? Wherever we are, you know, if there's a new restaurant, um, we're going to eat there, right? For the first month or so, it's going to be crowded and packed. And then what are you going to do? Good or bad, what do people do? They leave reviews, right? They're going to ask you, did you go eat there? Have you tried this burger? Have you done this? Have you done that, right? And so I think it's amazing that in life, not just to our endeavors, but if we can drop those breadcrumbs about how Christ has been and how good he's been and what he's been. But so often we show the, what I call glory moments, right? It's the social media culture that we put out what is okay to be seen. We put out what we want people to see, but we fail to mention where we fail to realize that it's the story moments, as I call them, those triumphant moments that I had to get over as the song said, how I got over, how my soul looks back and wonder how I got over that helps people begin to feel empowered, helps people begin to understand that it's not about how I fall. Like the word says, fall times seven, get up, fall seven times, get up eight, right? So one of the things I love to do is my God is devotional, okay? And I will basically say God is, and then I leave an imaginary blank in my mind, or I'm writing it, sometimes I do. And I'll just say God is, and I'll just start naming the things that he's been to me, what he hasn't been to me. That's a blessing we always miss, right? You know, I, I've seen it many places, and I truly believe that some of our biggest blessings is what he said no to. Um, but I'll keep going on those things that he's been. He's been a provider. He's been a healer, right? And it reminds me that no matter what my day may bring, he's been all of those things. So if he did it before, he can do it again. So you don't get a list though, Jamie, right? You don't get a list. You only get one today. So if I wrote on this imaginary board on here that you can see, and I said, God is, and I drew a blank. How would servant leader Jamie Beckler feel that? God is what? 
Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. The the very first thing that comes to my mind uh, is uh, and and this is a tough one because it's putting God in a box. Come on, now, your your question is putting God in a box. But <laughs> but other than that, you know, I forgive you. Um, no, God is perfect, and oh and the reason that that comes to mind, and the reason it's top of mind right now is because. The last couple of days in particular, I've seen some people like on social media mm -hmm. criticizing Christians or criticizing anybody okay. for their mistakes, for their opinions, for whatever. And they naturally then go one step further and, and associate Jesus or God with people. And it's like, to me, it's like, yeah, but we're all flawed. Like we all, I mean, we all live in a glass house, so to speak. We all have these weaknesses. We're all imperfect, but God isn't. And so if Jamie's not perfect and Jamie screws up and does something he shouldn't do, I know that I should be a, a reflection of God. I know I might be the only Bible somebody sees, mm -hmm. but it's frustrating for me not, not now, Jamie, the one that just screwed up, but from the side, <laughs> from the observer, it's, it's frustrating for me to see people say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with God because this person mm -hmm. did this or mm -hmm. Jesus, because this person did this. And I'm like, we're all flawed. We all yeah. struggle with something and yeah. your sin might not be the same as my sin, mm -hmm. you know, and that's been going on for ages. I mean, and it's even addressed in the, in the Bible of, sins are sins to God's eyes. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, and we could, we can make a list right now of all the different sins out there and we yeah. could, and we could rank them because that's what we do as people. We rank them. Oh, for but sure. the reality, maybe I should have said God is holy instead of God is perfect, <laughs> but because I got to, down too. I'll take it to down. God, yeah, it's all the same. It's not, yeah. well, Chelsea has these five sins. So she's slightly <laughs> better than Jamie right. because he has these five sins. But we do that. You're right. We do that all the time. Uh, very similar to what you were talking about with social media. We judge someone others, someone else's highlight film. Yeah. With, with our reality. Yes. And we're never going to live up to that. We're never going to be perfect. Um, but we judge people on their perfection. Not that we're perfect. You know, I know I have flaws, but you don't know about them. So I can, I can bash you. So anyways, I, I could go off even longer on that because I just think we're way too quick to criticize people and not see where people are coming from, not understand people. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even broken crayons can color, Come on, you know, Jamie. even, even when we're broken or even when we have flaws, we're still valuable, whether Come we're talking on. about a basketball team or we're talking about people, you might've voted for somebody, or you might have this person's sign in your yard, or you might believe this or believe that there's still some redeeming quality i hope in you almost everybody has some value or some redeeming quality but we're too quick to dismiss people and and i just don't think that that's a very fun way to go through life i don't think i certainly know it's not healthy um and so whether we're talking deeper you know just life in general or talking sports teams i think it's important to find the good in people and mm -hmm. it's important to find their value and to understand that people aren't perfect all the time. Like God is perfect. Jamie, that's so good. It is. And it just, 
it reminded me it was two things there was a vision that really went in my head when you said this you know we have highlight films right for all sports right and coaches college coaches all the time I'll talk to them they'll say it on social media and everything they hate it because it's like we watch film all the time I don't just want your highlight film I want your full game film as well why because I also want to see the moments you're not in the game I also want to see that when you mess up how you bounce back and I just got a flash right and a quote right y'all gonna see me tweet this in the morning okay so if you're listening now just act like it's new but it just went in my head and it said you know we can't and please understand that Christ doesn't just see our highlight film he sees it all so regardless of what we show other people what we try to show the outward appearance but what we do in the dark what we do when we feel people aren't looking, right? The negatives, all of that, right? The 30 selfies before the 31st one that they right, right? He sees it all, not just what we want people to see. He sees everything, not just a highlight reel. And I think it's amazing when you just said that, that we are so quick to judge other individuals not recognizing that at the end of the day, we all fall short. As the word tells us, we all fall short. And so if we can get to a place, right? that we recognize that he's the only perfect one, right? We just kind of strive to be in his likeness every day. But it truly is those flaws, if we use them in the right way, not to judge people, but to work on that comeback, that's golden. But the other portion that you said in there that I loved so much in that is just truly understanding that at the end of the day, it's about knowing that God's not boxed in. And I love it because it's the, the hiccup to everyone. All right, I say you only get one and it's like, wait, what? Hold on, <laughs> all these things. And I'm like, yes, I agree. But one of the things that it does is that when you limit yourself to just saying one, you recognize all of the things that he is to you and I've only restricted you to one. And so I love that. We can't box him in. He is perfect. He is holy. He is all of those things. And I think you said that so eloquently. So before we get you out of here, of course, this is the servant leader Coaches Bible study. We're servant leadership and faith are at the core of what we do, at the forefront of what we do. One of the things that you and I have been talking about this past hour is just how much like culture, right? Much like leadership just by itself, standalone, we assume. We assume that people know what that playbook looks like, right? What that blueprint looks like, as opposed to saying they, we don't see. I listen, Jamie, I listen. Instead of saying they, we don't step up and lay the foundation to make sure and ensure those that we are leading know the true message, the true definition and playbook of how to be a leader. So servant leadership, two words. I tell people all the time, they are action words. But to you, servant leader, Jamie Beckler, what is servant leadership? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and to me, it's helping others be their best. Come on. Um, and that's fairly simple. Like I said earlier, it's not easy to do. And, and I could go even further. I mean, I can, I mean, most of what I write about, most of what I talk about has, it has its foundation in servant leadership. So obviously I can go on and on and on and on, but essentially helping others be their best. And, uh, you know, the next sentence would essentially be without your agenda being, or without you caring about you getting the credit, it's serving others, helping others be their best. And, uh, this was a thought that I had earlier, um, but I, I thought I could share it now. But a lot of leaders 
we hear all the time, no matter what quote unquote leader we're talking about, oftentimes we'll say it's not my fault or it wasn't my fault. So let's say a coach, coach Jamie Beckler. Well, it wasn't my fault. He had that turnover. It wasn't my fault that we lost that game. It wasn't my fault. He missed that shot. And the thing is, it might not be your fault as a leader, but it's 100% your responsibility to help your group of, of individuals to help your team move forward and to find solutions. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we're so worried about fault, which then comes back to servant leadership because a true servant leader is not concerned about whose fault it is, is not concerned about who's right or wrong. They're just concerned about getting everybody on the right path and moving forward. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't address, you know, history or address what's happened, but a true servant leader is not going to dwell on the past. They might learn from the past, but what they're going to do is they're going to be solution focused as opposed to problem fixated. They might identify and acknowledge problems, but they're not going to fixate on the problem. And, and too many of us as coaches, we do that. Um, you know, because, and we do that with film too. You know, we, we have film session and we've got to show why we lost this game. Mm-hmm. Well, kids don't really want to watch that and and they don't want to hear what they screwed up on. And I know we have to correct and there's certainly a place to correct, but we need to be focused on how can I make Chelsea the best player that she can be. And, and the devil's advocate would say, well, why, by showing her where she screwed up by showing her so that she can correct those errors. I would counter with, I would say Chelsea screws up. If you did screw up, I know you were a great player, but when Chelsea screwed up, it might've been because she wasn't inspired at practice to go through every repetition as well as she could, which developed the habits, which then led to her screwing up in a game because practice, she wasn't maybe inspired that day, or she wasn't inspired in that drill. Maybe she wasn't inspired in that game. Um, And I talk a lot about that because I do think as coaches, we like to find fault. We like to say, this is why Mm -hmm. something screwed up. And yeah, that's, that's true, but we don't go just a little bit further and say, you know what? Chelsea was pretty bored the last two days of practice. And then she had all these screw ups. Why was she bored? And then naturally as a coach, we'll say, well, it's because she did this or didn't do this or didn't care. Well, maybe it's because we had a boring practice. Maybe I didn't catch her being good. Maybe I didn't give her any motivation to be better. Um, and I know I'm kind of going deep here and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being it's a perfect. little, quick, but as leaders, as coaches, we tend to look at right and wrong from, you know, you know, we want to know who was wrong. We want to know who was at fault as opposed mm-hmm. to just how can we get people from where they are to where they need to be. And yes, there's a time for correction, but man, there's always a time for inspiration. And we Come need on. to be inspiring our kids. I mean, think about it. the only people that love our film sessions most of the time are the dudes at the end of the bench sitting next to a water cooler and the athletic trainer because they didn't screw up. Right. They don't have any film. So for you're you not calling me out. Yes. <laughs> and I'm fine with this. This is 30 minutes in the air condition. I'm cool with this. You know, this is less I got to run in practice. If we have film session, coach isn't going to get on me. I love film session. It's fine. Plus they take a little nap. They're back in the corner because they know coach isn't going to call on them. We've got to inspire the people around us. That's how we have success. 
as opposed to always pointing out the flaws or always trying to figure out, oh, I got you. I got you, Chelsea. See, you did exactly what I told you were going to do. You screwed up. I got you finally. No, we don't need to be, I got you. We need to be people that are catching our people being good. That's good. And, and, and literally to some, that is so perfect. And literally to some exactly why I say that, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. anyone can find the dirt, be the one to find the gold. Jamie, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much just for this conversation. I feel like I am legit like eons better <laughs> after this conversation. And, and I think because you unpack it in such a humble way, you truly do. You, you don't try to move yourself outside of where you are, what you do. You're so humble. The very thing that you say, servant leaders should have in their arsenals you display. But more than anything, your compassion and your passion for leadership, building better and stronger leaders, it's just written all over everything that you do, not just the books, but in the way that you live your life. So thank you for being on, chatting with us today, making us better. Oh my goodness, I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me come on the show. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. So before we go, we do have to cover you. So if you bow your head real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much right now just for another hour to enhance, to fellowship, to cross paths, Lord God, to make us better leaders, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the breadcrumbs that are continuously dropped. We thank you, Lord God, to whisk away the they spirit, Lord God, but allow the I spirit, the here I am, send me spirit to move, Lord God. We thank you right now just for the humility that you implanted Jamie and all of the servant leaders, Lord God, so that we can move forward, not to find the dirt. That's so easy, but to be able to find the gold, Lord God, we thank you. I ask that you just place a special blessing in hand on Jamie and his family, his endeavors and everything that he touches to go out and make better leaders, Lord, leaders, Lord God. And as he leads, Lord God, help him to continue to be strengthened to drop those breadcrumbs, Lord God, so that all of us can continue to be illuminated so that those that may not know you can find you in your will always pray amen. amen jamie thank you so much man you are now a part of the servant leader family come on Appreciate in it. take a seat <laughs> kick up your feet <laughs> we're so thankful to have you man thank you coach appreciate it absolutely we thank you guys for listening and we'll see you all next time